The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. God, I love my opening. I, I really always laugh when I listen to the opening of this program. It's probably, it's got to be the best opening uh, of any show here on Voice of America. I just love it. Show me the money. Anyway, welcome to the program. This is the Financial Physician where we talk money, we talk markets, we talk politics. And if you uh, want to join us in the program with a comment or question, 866-472-5790 uh, is the call number. But we don't get many calls on this program because most people don't listen to this program live. Uh, they listen to it uh, in the archive version. So uh, it's kind of like I'm talking to myself when I when I record the show, and then everybody goes and listens to it uh, later on, which is fine. You know, we have uh, I just spoke with uh, some of the people at Voice America, and they said that uh, our show, in the short amount of time that it's been on the air, just since May, uh, is in the top twenty percent as far as uh, how many people listen to the program, uh, which is pretty amazing. And I thank you for that. And uh, but it, uh, over a thousand people. Um, more like closer to 1,400 people listen to the program on average a week, uh, of which all but about 70 uh, listen to the archive. So to 70 of you out there that are listening live, uh, if you want to give us a call and uh, let us know you're out there, and uh, we do have an audience, so if you have any question on any money matter, 866-472-5790 is our phone number. First of all, I want to thank everybody for all the you know, nice emails you've sent me regarding my um, recuperation from surgery that I had six weeks ago. I'm doing really well. For those of you who are watching this on the camera, I have no braces on. My arms are moving, and uh, uh, I'm making very good progress here. And it, I went through hell for the last two months, i got to tell you. Uh, slipping off my boat, rupturing both biceps on each arm, and then having surgery and being totally pretty much incapacitated for a month. Uh, it was no fun. And... Uh, my wife, Susan, was wonderful and taking care of me. Uh, I guess there's jewelry in her future. Uh, uh, and uh, it was very sobering, you know, to, to, to be vital and be in great shape and go to the gym all the time. And then all of a sudden being totally uh, incapacitated. It was kind of uh, a, a, an interesting experience, to say the least. Uh, but thankfully, we're on the mend here. No more braces and um, starting physical therapy. And uh, by January, my doc says I should be... 
100% healed. So I do appreciate all the emails and concern, and uh, thank you so much for that. All right, let's start off the program talking about the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve met just uh, today and yesterday, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and just shortly before we came on the program, the, the Fed came out and made their big announcement, and markets love this stuff. They can't wait for it to come out. What's the Fed going to say when they... When they leave their meeting, what are they going to do with interest rates? Are they going to talk about tapering their quantitative easing? Uh, and there was no real surprises in today's announcement. Uh, they said they're going to hold monetary policy steady, which they have been doing uh, for years. I mean, the federal funds rate, everybody was, every time there was a Fed meeting, the question was, is the Fed going to raise interest rates or lower interest rates in a short-term federal funds market, which affects basically everything? Uh, but now we haven't had a change in interest rates, in the federal funds rate anyway, uh, in what, five years? So these meetings no longer are about changing interest rate policy. It's all about how much money the Fed's going to print and uh, how, much, how many bonds, how many billions of dollars in bonds they're going to buy uh, from the dealers on Wall Street who just recently bought them from the Treasury of the United States. So the Fed is monetizing the debt by buying those bonds. Now, $85 billion a month. They said they're going to keep that pace. And if you remember, there was all talk over the summer. It started in June. Ben Bernanke came out and talked about possibly tapering, quote-unquote, that was the big word, tapering their purchases of bonds and their printing of money. And everybody was expecting that to happen in September. And about a half hour before I went under the knife on September 18th, uh, uh, the Fed came out and said they were not going to taper and they were going to continue their bond buying. And that really surprised the markets. Stocks took off. Gold took off. Because, again, uh, the morphine or uh, the stimulus, should I should say, will continue to goose markets. And there was some talk now, well, maybe December they were going to announce that they're going to taper. Well, the reason why the Fed did not taper in September was simply because the economy is too weak and just the talk – of tapering their quantitative easing program uh, caused interest rates in the 10-year treasury bond market to double in just eight weeks from 1.5% to 3%. And why is that so important? Because mortgage rates are tied to the 10-year treasury yield. And mortgage rates went from 3.5% at their low for the 30-year fixed rate mortgage to as high as 4.7%, I believe it was, shortly thereafter. And, of course, rising interest rates and mortgages caused housing sales to slump. It looked like there was a, a rebound happening in housing, and that was squashed right away. And the Fed knows this. I think the Fed was just testing the waters to see how the markets would react to even talk of tapering. They had no, they, they had no intention of doing it. They were just testing the waters. And when they tested the waters uh, – the waters turned black because the bond market sold off, the stock market sold off, interest rates went up, and economic activity slowed down. So here we are five years after the, the crisis in 2008, and we still have emergency interest rates. We still have the Federal Reserve printing money like crazy and buying bonds to keep interest rates low. And the reason they're doing that is because they have to. Nobody else is buying our bonds. It's not China. China's divesting themselves of our bonds. It's not Japan. It's not Russia. These were big buyers of U.S. treasuries. 
mainly due to our trade deficit with these countries. And they would recycle it by taking that, that trade surplus they had and buying our bonds as a safe place to put the money. They don't want it anymore. They see what's going on in the country. China's come right out and said it, that they feel that we're irresponsible in the way they're handling our fiscal matters from the debt ceiling to depreciating our currency through monetization of the debt by the Federal Reserve. And they're not stupid. And what they're doing is they're moving out of U.S. Treasury bonds and into gold. And who's buying all these Treasury bonds that they're selling? Who's buying all the Treasury bonds that the government is issuing to finance our deficit? It's the Federal Reserve. So to come out and say they're going to taper anytime soon, that was just a ploy. It's never going to happen. As a matter of fact, I joined a couple other people out there uh, who say that the Fed not only is never going to taper, that they're going to increase their quantitative easing from $85 billion to $100 billion to even higher. Mark Farber said just last week that it may go to a trillion dollars a month at some point. Now, I think it's a little off there, but whatever. The Fed has painted itself into a box, and there's no way that the Federal Reserve could stop the juice that's keeping markets afloat. Now, the Dow Jones Industrial Average yesterday closed at an all-time record, not due to economic reasons, not due to the fact that, that corporate earnings are, 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 are rising dramatically. It's just due to the fact that it's the only game in town. You can't get any interest in a bank. You can't get any interest in bonds. Money markets pay zero. So where are you going to put your money? Well, money's being forced into the stock market. And that's making a lot of rich people richer. Because the majority of Americans have no interest in the stock market and have no money in the stock market. But the wealthy do. I almost sound like a Democrat saying that, but that's the truth. That's the truth. The rich are getting richer. But ultimately, this is going to end badly because when you have stocks at record highs and you have poverty and food stamps and disability at record highs at the same time, that doesn't jive. Something has to give here. And boy, this is going to end badly. Now, I've been saying and I've been wrong since the summertime that the market's going to crash. And it hasn't happened yet. I still don't think I'm wrong. I think it is. My timing's off a little bit. And uh, the extent of the manipulation that we're seeing in all markets is greater than I ever thought I would see. Every market's manipulated. The bond market's manipulated because the Fed prints money and buys bonds. That keeps prices artificially high and yields artificially low. The stock market's manipulated because when the Fed buys those bonds off the dealers on Wall Street, some of those billions of dollars flow into the stock market, pushing stock prices higher. The gold market we know is the most manipulated market in the world because the Federal Reserve and other central banks don't want people to lose confidence in the currency as it's being printed like mad. But all this will end badly because all manipulations do. And I was telling the client this morning that this feels eerily similar to, to 1987 where the markets would go up almost every day for no reason. And then something happened. And all of a sudden, everybody tried to get out the door at the same time. The stock market's up something like 24% for the year, year to date. Would you believe it, given all the events that have happened this year? Certainly not due to economic growth to justify it. When you have a market going up, when you don't have economic growth, that's a bad thing. 
Now, the Fed statement today, first of all, was voted on 9 to 1. What happens is the Fed governors from all around the country meet in Washington every six weeks or so. The chairman of the Federal Reserve, Ben Bernanke, um, chairs the meeting, and they talk about the economy, and they talk about interest rate policy and quantitative easing and what's the next steps they should take. And then at 2 o'clock uh, the second day, they announce it to the world, and markets go batty over it. Initially, the stocks weren't changed, but then uh, they were down 100 points. I think the market closed down 60 points today, big deal. Interest rates went up a little bit in the 10-year bond from 2.48 to 2.52. No big deal there either. But uh, the vote was 9 to 1 to keep things just as they are. And the one guy with any sanity uh, has voted against this basically every meeting. But he's the only one with any sanity. So uh, the, the Fed came out and they made very few changes to their outlook. They said that... Um, same thing they said in September, that the economy was improving at, quote-unquote, a moderate pace. The Fed kept its optimistic tone that the economy remains on the mend, just at a slower pace than expected. And the Fed said that the downside risks to the economy have diminished since last fall. I would disagree with that, big time. I just think the effect of Obamacare implementation probably... Um, will have a major adverse effect on the economy. We're seeing it now with people being brought down to under 30 hours. Uh, that can't be good for the economy, can't be good for retail sales. And after the break, we'll talk about poverty in America, how poverty in America is absolutely exploding. Again, in the face of record stock prices, we're seeing the rich get rich, in a big way. We're seeing the, the haves and the have-nots separating. We're seeing more and more people in the middle class not moving to the upper class, but moving to the lower class. Uh, and, and after the break, I'm, I'm going to talk about some amazing statistics about what's going on. All right, we're ready for a break. Phone number here is 866-472-5790. You're listening to The Financial Physician right on the business channel on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. 
And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5790. That's toll free. 1-866-472-5790. Once again, here's Lou. All right, welcome back to The Financial Physician, where we get together each and every Wednesday live, 1 p.m. on the West Coast, 4 p.m. on the East Coast. We talk money, markets, and politics. And just a reminder, you got to visit the website every day, thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, read my blog. I update it as much as I can with, with articles and videos and things that I think you need to know about. And I don't cover them all here on the program. you know. So if you want to know what's going on and stuff that the mainstream media, especially the financial media, won't tell you about what's going on in markets and things like that, uh, visit the website, thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails, Lou, L-O-U. At the com is the email address. I try to get back to each and every uh, email. Sometimes it takes me a few days because I get a lot of email. You wouldn't believe how much email we do get. So uh, I remember the website. Also, uh, well, we got the holidays coming up, and it's a great time to go get my book as a gift, especially to young adults in your family. And the name of the book is The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. And it is uh, an easy-to-understand book. It is easy to read. Uh, I've had people tell me they've read it cover to cover in one sitting, which is saying a lot about a financial book. But I guarantee it's like not like any financial book you've ever read before. And in the book, I talk about the 20 most significant problems Americans have with money. And how they do it wrong. Everything from insurance to investing to, to buying cars and buying homes, estate planning. And it, it, it's something that's easy to read. And that was my goal when I wrote it, was to make an easy-to-read personal finance book uh, that I could uh, give to high school students. Now, I'm, I'm teaching uh, uh, some courses in a, in a local uh, community college on financial literacy. And we're going to go over these things. And I love to talk to young people about money. It's amazing how messed up young people are financially. It really is. My own son and daughter I'm trying to work on to get them on the right financial thing. You know, kids nowadays, they just don't think about money. They just go out and do whatever they want to do. And whatever happens, happens. And I can't tell you how many young people, young adults are in debt. Whether it's student loan debt, credit card debt, they got a big car payment, they can't get by. And there's not a whole lot of job opportunities out there, and especially in this economy. And as I mentioned before, we're at record highs in the stock market, but we're also at record highs in poverty in this country. Do you know that the number of people, number of Americans on welfare is higher than the number of Americans that have full-time jobs? Think about that. There's more people on welfare than have a full-time job in America. 
Did you know that uh, 1.2 million public school students in the United States are homeless? 1.2 million are homeless. It's, 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 it's sad. And, 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 and nearly 150 million, what, we have 300 million in this country? 150 million Americans are considered to be either poor or low income at this point in time. How could this be in America? We got record stock prices, right? And we got record amount of unemployment. And this is despite an unbelievable amount of borrowing by the federal government in recent years, all these stimulus programs and everything else, unprecedented money printing by the Federal Reserve. Eighty-five billion a month for the last year or two. Even with both that and the stock market going up. Poverty in the United States keeps getting worse with each passing year. And that's amazing to me. Why isn't this economy lifting up people? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but uh, the regulations and Obamacare and uh, the stifle that the federal government has put on business is a good part of it. Congress passes a law, Democrats in Congress, and Obama passed a law that incentivizes employers to cut back hours of full-time employees from 40 to 29. I mean, that's insane. Just so they avoid having to pay for insurance. I mean, come on. That's too easy. Why would you make it so easy? Here's some statistics out there now, or facts, that, that prove that uh, poverty in America is absolutely exploding. This is from um, the Economic Collapse uh, Collapse blog. This guy, uh, uh, Schneider, um, is, is just uh, very good at doing statistics like this. He has a whole list here. What can you say about a nation that has more people getting handouts from the federal government than that's working full-time? Think about it. The number of people receiving mean-tested welfare benefits is greater than the f- number of full-time workers, as I said before. And when I was growing up, it seemed like almost everyone that I knew anyway, you know, from school was, was in a middle class home. None of us were really rich. None of us were really poor. There was always some. But most of us were middle class. But now that's all changed. That's not the way it is. One recent study discovered that nearly half of all public students in the United States come from low income homes. Half. How can anyone deny that we're not turning into a socialist nation uh, when half the people are getting money from the federal government each month? It's just under 50% in some way or another. Social Security, welfare, food stamps, Medicaid, what have you. Many people are getting all of it. According to the most recent numbers from the U.S. Census Bureau, 49.2% of all Americans are receiving benefits from at least one government program. And my guess is that uh, that's much higher now. It's probably over the magical 50%. Whenever you have 50% of the country or greater getting benefits from the government, you're doomed. Why are you doomed? Because now the majority of Americans are going to vote for people who will give them more stuff. And there's a quote. I'm trying to remember who said this. And I've said this on my radio program many times before. Um... I forgot who said it, but the quote is simply this. Maybe it was Benjamin Franklin, I don't know. Is that once a nation realized they could rob the treasury of the country through their representatives, democracy is done. That's exactly what we have happening right now. People are voting in 
to Congress and as president people who promised to give them freebies, benefits of some kind. And for many people, it's, it's so much uh, easier when um, – it's so much easier when uh, – uh, to, to take welfare than it is to go to work for minimum wage. Why do people want to why, why do people want to um, go to work when they can get everything for free? Not that there's a whole lot of work opportunities out there for people. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, approximately one out of every six Americans are now living in poverty. One in six. The number of Americans living in poverty is now at a level not seen since the 1960s, which wasn't the best time in the world. The gap between the rich and poor in the United States is at an all-time record high. Uh, the wealthy may not consider this a big problem, uh, but those on the other end of the spectrum are very aware of this, which is not a healthy thing. When people feel that a very, very select slice of people are, are, are doing very, very well, and everybody else is not. That's not a good situation. The working poor, whatever that is, is, the, is one of the fastest growing segments of the U.S. population. At this point, approximately one out of every four part-time workers in America is living below the poverty line. Of course they are. Part-time jobs don't pay that much. And again, many people have been made to go part-time because of Obamacare, which we're going to talk about after the break. According to numbers provided by Walmart, more than half of their hourly workers make less than 25000 a year. A recent Businessweek article mentioned a study that discovered that 300 employees at one Walmart in Wisconsin received a combined total of nearly a million dollars a year in public assistance. Look at that. One Walmart. All the workers in there. A million dollars in public assistance. So meanwhile, the stock market's doing great for the rich people, but incomes for average Americans continue to decline. Median household income in the United States has fallen for five years in a row with all the stimulus. And the quality of jobs in America has been steadily dropping for years. Right now, one out of every four American workers has a job that pays $10 an hour or less. One out of four. How can you live on that? According to a recent Gallup poll, 20% of all Americans did not have enough money to buy food that they or their families needed at some point over the past year. 20% said in America. And young adults are particularly feeling the sting of poverty these days. American families that have a head of household that's under 30 have a poverty rate of 37%. So if you're married with a child and you're under 30, 37 37% chance that you are in poverty, you are poor. And uh, as I mentioned on this program many times, one out of every five households is on food stamps. Contrast that to the 1970s, about one in every 50 were on food stamps. And the number of Americans on food stamps now exceed the entire population of Spain. And of course, we got to pay for that. And that's, uh, that comes out of uh, the deficit. We're told that we live in the wealthiest nation on the planet, right? Yet one out of every four children in the United States is enrolled in a food stamp program. And it's being projected that approximately 50% of all U.S. children will be on food stamps before they reach the age of 18. Unbelievable. 
And I can go on. There's more and more stats here. I mean, uh, uh, you can, it just, just can go on and on. In the big cities, it's even worse. In Miami, 45% of all children are in poverty. In Cleveland, more than 50% of all children are in poverty. In Detroit, 60% of all children are living in poverty. And more than 37 million Americans are now being served by food pantries and soup kitchens. It's horrible. This is America in 2013, and it's getting worse. And it will get worse. And the problems with that socially is a big thing. Because once the, the poor people feel that the rich people are, are screwing them and they have no hope, they rise up and you're going to see crime. And you're going to see all kinds of problems here in the country. Very, very sad state of affairs. But man, the stocks and markets at a record high. That's a good thing. All right, it's time for another break. 866-472-5790 is my phone number. My name is Lou Scatigno, and you're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Looking for a business talk radio program that's unlike any other talk radio program you've heard before? It's time to check out Game On! Business Talk Radio with host Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Dr. Miles and his guests will tackle some of the unconventional and controversial issues and topics in the business world. We'll outline, discuss, and provide solutions to certain problems in marketing, business management, financial accounting, and policies. You and your business can't afford to miss a show. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice. America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luz Gatigna? Call him now. It's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790, or email the show. Here's the address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. All right, I was talking about, uh, early in the program, I was talking about my book, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. I just went on Amazon.com during the break to see what it's selling for, because it's weird. It changes all the time. One day you go there, it's $14. The other day you go there, it's 10 50 
It's kind of weird. I don't know how it works, but right now it's thirteen dollars and thirty two cents. That's the the hard copy of the book. Uh, and if you want the Kindle version, it's only ten dollars and forty nine cents. I suggest you that you get the Kindle version, have it on your iPad. Unless you're going to give it to somebody, then you're going to need uh, the hard copy of the book. Let me tell you, it's the best thirteen dollars you're ever going to spend. And give it uh, for a holiday gift to uh, somebody in your family. After you read it, of course. And uh, my goal is to get as many books out there as possible. But books done very well, and um, the feedback we've gotten from it uh, has been has been overwhelmingly positive. And it's been out. Geez, I can't believe it's going to be four years uh, next month, December, uh, that the book was published. And uh, and uh, I just love the feedback I get from people who read it. Because my whole goal was to write a book that wouldn't be boring, wouldn't be financial ease, that a young person would read it and, and not get, you know, throw it aside after reading one chapter. And uh, the feedback is that younger people like it. And they, we teach them the basics. You know, we don't teach kids in school about money. And that's starting to change now. I know a local high school here now has instituted a, a personal finance course. To me, that's the number one course that should be taught in all high schools and college. There's nothing more important than how to manage your money and you manage your financial life. And it was amazing to me that it's never been in high school. I mean, you teach our kids these most mundane things that they'll never use in their life. I remember taking uh, a calculus, an algebra. How often do any of us use algebra or calculus in our life? What a waste of time that was to learn that. How much better would it have been to spend that time learning about how credit cards work? how mortgages work, and taxes, and investments. But we don't teach our children that. Even in college, they're not taught that. The first thing they learn in college when they get on campus is to get a credit card. And that's why kids start off on the wrong foot. So that's why I wrote the book, is to give some guidance on basic, basically everything financial, mainly for young people, but it's not just for them. And that's, uh, just go to Amazon.com, look it up, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems, and Boost uh, Your Financial Health. All right, let's talk about uh, Obamacare. I could do a whole show on Obamacare every single week. And you guys would get disgusted with me because, A, uh, it's not a pleasant topic because it's a disaster. And it's going to affect every single one of us. And don't buy the thing that if you have an employer plan, it won't affect you. That's garbage. I have a group plan for my, my, my company. It's not a large company, but I have employees that I cover. I received a notice that our plan is being canceled. Now, they'll offer me another plan. I don't know yet what it's going to be, what it's going to cost, what it's going to cover, what the deductibles will be. And believe me, we pay a lot of money for my group health plan. I have uh, – it's averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, – if you have a family, it's averaging around $1,780 a month for husband, wife, and child. For single individuals, it's close to 1000 and that's an HMO. And that's the same HMO that took nine days to deny me an MRI when I ruptured both biceps in August. Paying almost eighteen hundred a month, and they denied me the MRI. Told me to put ice on it for a couple of weeks and see what happens. Meanwhile, I had a three-week window to have surgery to repair it. So that's the healthcare system now. Imagine what it's going to be like when Obamacare kicks in. 
So now I'm going to have to see. Now, the president said, if you like your health insurance, you keep it. If you like your doctor, you keep it. Well, obviously, that's not the case. And this thing is becoming more of a disaster every single day. It's becoming worse and worse. It's embarrassing. Not only to the administration, it's embarrassing to America. If we can't get this right, how do we know we're getting anything right? Defense. Protection of the country. I mean, this is just childish, the way this thing's been rolled out. And they knew there was problems with it. They rolled it out anyway. It's absolutely amazing. And now the website, we know the infamous website, don't work. Today, uh, Kathleen Sibelius, head of the Health and Human Services Committee, um, Health and Human Services uh, Secretary, uh, was on Capitol Hill and on the hot seat. And to be honest, I, I, I felt bad for her because that's not the position you want to be in, trying to answer uh, to Congress why this is such a disaster. And, and to her credit, she took responsibility for it or she was effectively thrown under the bus for it. But the website don't work. As a matter of fact, during her testimony, the website went down. And one of the congressmen picked up his iPad and showed us that the website was down. It was priceless. Absolutely priceless. But embarrassing at the same time. And the problem that you have here is that for young people that are healthy, this insurance isn't cheap. It averages about 100% more than the same individual policy that these people had before, if they had it at all. And nobody's signing up for it. Well, first of all, it's difficult to even get on the system, but young people don't want it. They can't afford it. They're healthy. They don't want it. And the way health, uh, all insurances work, the people that don't need it have to pay for the people that do. So if they don't get enough young people into the plan, then... This, the premium is going to skyrocket for everybody because the sick and the pre, uh, pre-existing condition people, someone's got to pay for that. And many young people say, you know what? I'll pay the penalty. It's not that much. It's $95 the first year versus what? Two, $300 a month for health insurance? And what they could do now is they could wait till they get sick. And since there's no barring anybody for pre-existing conditions, then they go into the insurance exchange. It's all been set up totally wrong. As I said earlier, it incentivizes employers to put people back to under 30 hours. It's nuts. And this is the way insurance works. It's very, very simple. Take life insurance, for instance. The people who live in don't die and pay their premiums are paying the death benefits of those who do. So you need a lot of people in the insurance company that don't die in any one year. And since most of us don't die in any one year, it works. If they get $100 million in premiums and they pay out $90 million in death benefits, they make a $10 million profit. That's the business that insurance companies are in. Just like your homeowner's insurance. The homes that don't burn down pay for the homes that do. And since most homes don't burn down, it works. Car insurance. Cars that don't crash, those people who pay auto insurance pay for the people whose cars do crash. But thankfully, most people's cars don't crash in any given year. 
So the insurance company's got to make a profit. So the amount that goes out has got to be less than the amount that comes in. Now, with the health insurance, it's the same thing. The healthy pay for the sick. So now, due to Obamacare, anybody, the insurance company has to take somebody who just gets cancer right now and is going to have 100000 or $200,000 in medical bills over the next two years. Or somebody who needs an operation. Or what have you. And unless they have healthy young people paying these premiums, they're going to lose money. And maybe that's why this is designed that way. To make it not work where insurance companies are no longer involved and we have a single-payer system where the government does everything. And that's the goal anyway from this administration and from the left in this country is to have the government do everything. It's almost a deliberate takedown of the healthcare system and the insurance industry so government can do it all. Well, the insurance companies are going bankrupt or the government, the insurance companies' premiums are way too high. It's unaffordable. Well, we have to do something where the government provides health insurance, and that's socialism. And that's where we're going. And uh, this is a big problem. And yesterday uh, there was uh, the head of the, um, the Medicare and uh, Medicaid system. She was on, and she was asked how many people actually enrolled in insurance. And she wouldn't say. She said, we'll have that information on November 15th. Well, don't you know? I mean, do you have an idea of how many people are actually signing up? Well, we'll have that information on November 15th. But do you know? Do you absolutely know? I mean, obviously, you got to know. She wouldn't admit to knowing anything about it. But one uh, congressman said today, in my state, the number who signed up could fit in my office. So obviously, that's not going to work. They need 7 million people to sign up, young people, to sign up to make this work. Otherwise, these premiums are going to go through the roof. And I'm telling you, everybody's waking up to Obamacare. What a disaster this is. What a dismantling of the healthcare system. 1.5 million people have received notices that uh, their policy is going to be canceled. Why is it being canceled? Because the Obamacare law requires every health insurance policy to cover certain things. Maternity, mental, contraception. Preventative medicine. All these insurance policies have to cover all this, which is costly. So, you know, the president came out and said that if you like your health insurance, you'll keep it. It was disingenuous because, yes, existing policies are grandfathered in, except if they change anything. A deductible, a copayment, what have you. And if they don't have the minimum essential requirements that I said before – then they have to upgrade those, which kills the grandfathering of the policy. It was the big lie. And people are finding out more people have had their insurance canceled than um, signed up for Obamacare. And what these people are going to do is they're going to get notices from their insurance companies. Hey, we're just transitioning you to this new policy. Oh, by the way, it costs twice as much because a single guy has maternity coverage now that he didn't need. It's amazing. And very few policies are going to be grandfathered in because they don't they don't cover everything. And uh, it's almost a joke right now. I mean, the Dems are tripping all over themselves trying to defend this. It's amazing. Uh, 
According to Senator Mary Landrew of Louisiana, Democrat, uh, Democrats had only promised that Americans could keep their insurance if it was quote unquote good insurance. She did. Nobody said that. We said when we passed that, if you had insurance that was good insurance, that you wanted to keep it, you can keep it, she said. She declined to say if she would support a measure to let Americans keep the plans they had in 2013. I haven't looked at it specifically, she said. Now they're trying to defend it. Oh, no, no, it had to be good insurance. Well, who's this? I don't want maternity coverage. I don't want contraception coverage, so why am I paying for it? Well, that's what makes it good insurance, according to the Democrats. All right, one more uh, segment left on the program, 866-472-5790 is the phone number. My name is Luce Cotigny. You're listening to The Financial Physician on VoiceAmerica.com's business channel. Don't go away. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the financial physician your source for straightforward no-nonsense financial advice call america's money doctor right now it's toll free 1-866-472-5790 you can also log on to our website at www.thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou Scatigna. All right, welcome back to The Financial Physician, where we get together each and every Wednesday live at 4 p.m. on the East Coast and 1 p.m. on the West Coast. Thanks so much for joining us. You know, tell your friends about the program. Really, if... uh, we have a large audience here, and obviously we do for a reason, and I, and I thank you for that. As I mentioned earlier on the program, we are in the top 20% uh, of all Voice America radio programs, and there's a lot of them. And uh, I, I really do appreciate uh, you guys listening and, and, and telling your friends about our program. 
I mean, we talk about stuff that really affects people's lives here. And if you think it has value, I, I think that what you need to do is to, to, to contact your friends, email them the link uh, to this uh, archive program, and, and let's build the audience. Um, my goal is over the next six months to be in the top 10% of, of radio programs here and, and ultimately number one. My goal is always to be the leader in everything I do. So uh, if we're successful, we can be number one on Voice America. Why not shoot big? But I do appreciate you sharing a link to my website, sharing a link uh, to this radio program uh, with your list of people. Now, we were talking about Obamacare before the break, and it seems every week we spend a lot of time on it. And we have to because it affects our financial life uh, in big ways. And you know, people often say, Lou, uh, why do you talk politics all the time? Politics, there's nothing that drives your financial life more than what happens in Washington. It's that simple. Whether we're talking about taxes, we're talking about health care, state taxes, whatever. The economy, whatever happens in Washington affects it. And this is a big deal. And, uh, and, and this Obamacare thing, as we go into 2014, is going to kill the economy. Not to mention, uh, cause many people, and it's already doing it, heartache and incredible cost uh, uh, to, to get health care in this country. And uh, now we find out that there's security problems with the website. Not only does it have uh, annoying glitches and bugs, whatever you want to call it, uh, a cybersecurity expert, he found a way to hack into users' accounts. And he said it was really easy. And, and Until the Department of Health fixed the security hole last week, anyone could easily reset your healthcare.gov password without your knowledge and potentially hijack your account. The glitch was discovered last week by Ben Simo, a software tester in Arizona. Simo found that gaining access to people's accounts was frighteningly simple. Guess an existing username, and the website will confirm it exists. Claim you forgot your password, and the site will reset it. View the site's unencrypted source code in any browser to find the password reset code. Plug in the username and reset code, and the website displays a person's three security questions. Answer the security questions wrong, and the website spits out the account owner's email address. Again, unencrypted. Armed with the account holder's email address, a person with malicious intent can easily track down their target on social media, where they're likely to discover the answers to the security questions. What high school did you go to? Well, you're talking to your high school friends about the reunion. Uh, and I think on your profile, it tells you, you know, you state where your high school was. And uh, it's amazing. And this guy says it won't even take a skilled hacker to do this. Anyone with bad intentions and minimal understanding of how to read a website code could have figured it out. So this is the website. I mean, the government's supposed to pay hundreds of millions of dollars for this website. It don't work. He goes on to say, he said, this seems really sloppy. Either the developers were incompetent and did not know how to do the basic things to protect user information, or the development was so fractured that individuals building the system didn't understand how they fit into the bigger picture. Oh, that's great to know. Not only does the website not work, but uh, uh, my privacy may be stolen. Okay. So that's another reason why people aren't going to want to go to the website. And the AP, the Associated Press... Uh, attained a document that shows that administration officials at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services were concerned 
were concerned that a lack of testing posed a potentially high security risk for healthcare.gov. And it was granted a temporary security certificate so it could operate. Security issues are not are a new concern for the troubled healthcare.gov website. If they cannot be resolved, they could prove to be more serious than the long list of technical problems the administration is trying to address. Quote, you accepted a risk on behalf of every user that put their personal financial information at risk, said Mike Morages, representative from uh, Michigan. And he told this to Kathy Sabilis this morning when uh, at the hearing during her questioning. He said, uh, Amazon would never do this. ProFlowers would never do this. Kayak would never do this. This is completely an unacceptable level of security. And boy, is he right. I mean, it's just an embarrassment upon embarrassment. And even Democrats, I mean, they try to defend it, but I mean, God, who would want to try to defend this? And who would want to run defending this? And I tell you, this is going to be a big, big issue, I think, in next year's elections which I know are a year away. Anything can happen. Uh, but this is all the Republicans have to run against. Obama and Obamacare. Because this ain't getting better, believe me. This is only going to get worse and worse. And when people realize how destructive this is to the healthcare system next year, uh, they're going to want to vote the bums out, I think. And I think we may have a change uh, in the Senate. And where that goes, I don't know. But they get this... Uh, uh, this temporary certificate, this author authority to operate, and uh, it's not secure. And how would you like to put information into a, a, a government website knowing that hackers can get into it? And it's uh, it was interesting to see that hearing this morning. Uh, I didn't see the whole thing because I had client appointments, but the parts that I did see and the reviews that, that, that I did see uh, were interesting. Uh, she was uh, asked by Republicans on the committee, uh, why don't you enroll in one of the Obamacare marketplaces? And she says, saying she was happy with the coverage she gets from the government as a federal employee. And she also reiterated, I'm part of the 95% of Americans who hold employer-sponsored coverage uh, so she wouldn't be eligible to enter the exchange. I think it's illegal for me. Well, she was wrong about that. It's not illegal. Um, now, Representative Cory Gardner, he's a Colorado Republican, and he told uh, Sibelius that he rejected his own coverage as a member of Congress and enrolled in a plan in the individual market because he wanted to be the same as all his constituents. He didn't want to have an elite status like most of them do. And now he's been informed that he's losing that coverage because of the health of the law. So he's got a cancellation notice. And he asked her why she hasn't subjected herself to that same experience. And she said, well, I'd gladly join the exchange if I didn't have insurance. Sure. That's the way it is. Um, and let's look at doctors here. Here's a couple of great articles here. New York doctors flee Obamacare. Quote, unquote, I plan to retire. That's the headline. Only 23% of 409 New York doctors queried by the State Medical Society said they're accepting patients who have enrolled in the Obamacare health exchange. 23%. And another 33% haven't decided whether or not to take the patients and become official Obamacare providers. This is so poorly designed that a lot of doctors are afraid to participate, said Dr. Sam Uterich, the president of the New York State Medical Society, an organization with 29,000 doctors. 
There's a lot of resistance. Doctors don't know what they're going to get paid. Of those doctors who said they were participating in Obamacare, they cited, their cited reason was they had to because of existing contracts with insurers or medical providers. And um, But 77% still haven't seen his schedule. One doctor said, I plan to retire if this disaster is implemented. This is a train wreck. And another doctor said, I refuse to participate in the exchange plans. I'm completely opposed to this new law. No doctors. We're going to have no doctors. And boy, we're going to have a wait. Talk about rationing care. All right, out of time. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com. My email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Have a wonderful week. And please join me next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 